This is a podcast for the lovers, the ones who live life with love at the center. I'm your host, Angel, and you're listening to Awakened Love, the podcast. These are the conversations to help you find love, keep love, and deepen love, to awaken the wild, wise, woke one within you, and to unleash the force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful people? For today's episode, we have Blue. Blue is a heart-led woman with a love for creating. She inspires others to activate their full potential and to live their purpose through plant medicine, gene keys, public speaking, and her very own podcast, Deja Blue. Blue creates a space for the expansion of others, and I'm so excited to have her here today. Welcome, welcome, beautiful lady. I feel like we've already been playing and laughing and we didn't even hit record. So it's like time to dive in and let all these beautiful people hear some of your medicine. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So grateful, so honored to be able to come and share the magic, yo. Share the magic. We were just laughing because I'm actually wearing a ponytail extension, which many of you will be listening and can't see. The blue recommended to me. And we were talking about hair. And of course, this is like, you know, girly chat, but it does go a little bit deeper for both of us, for all of us, I would say, because Blue and I, we've both went through a process of shaving our head. And so I'd actually like to, considering we kicked off with hair chat, like, how was that for you? What inspired you to shave your head? How is that process? What did you learn? How did you grow? Oh, great question. Uh, coming from somebody that's also gone through that initiation. And I don't use that word initiation lightly because it's it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm going to shave my head, you know, and like go through the nerves of actually doing it. But it, the initiation is life as a bald woman. That's when the initiation actually comes in. The head shave itself was like a walk in the park and it was like full of, you know, like like adrenaline and serotonin and like the whole hype of the experience. But then it was actually like, all right, everyone's left, show's over, now I'm bald. <laughs> and uh, I've got, got to be bald now for like a while. <laughs> like a long time for it to grow back, like at least a year until I've got something, you know. Um, and that was when it was like deeply confronting because I think, you know, a lot of what society is, is created is like femininity is represented by large voluptuous breasts or a big bottom or like hair like lots of hair (laughs) and and so we identify with that and the second that that's not in place whether we have like we're flat-chested or we don't have a booty or we're bald what's left and ultimately I got to face off with the paradigm that feminine energy is is something that exudes from the inside out feminine energy is how much you listen how much you care and how much you create and how nurturing you are and 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 how much how much empathy you have and do you listen to your intuition and this is what the feminine principle is but it was literally like a rewriting of the program that beauty comes from some sort of external thing and it's realizing it was it was it was a rewriting of artificial glamour to authentic beauty now there's nothing wrong with putting a ponytail on or having air extensions or putting a padded bra on whatever it is you know wearing makeup it's fucking beautiful but if my identity says i'm beautiful because of this this is where i am bypassing my power and so for me the head shave was an invitation for me to literally shed the labels that i have been been in just from being a human in society that says that my worthiness comes from my appearance and so once the head was actually my my head was shaved and I was bald it was like okay you can't hide behind your hair anymore you can't hide behind your looks men aren't really paying much attention to you right now because you're that bald chick right like what's left and I became the undercover oracle like I would watch the world I didn't need to be the one that was in the limelight and like, oh, doing this. And you no, know, I was like, I sunk and I watched and I watched all the stories that said I was not beautiful anymore, or that no one would like to be around me anymore, and who would want to date me. And like, all of it just like, like literally purged out while one there was gone. And um, I got to face off with so much 
stories, so many stories of unworthiness. It was just like, it was just like such, it was so thick in my field. But the beautiful thing actually about all of that was I had those stories. I have been holding those stories for God knows how long, but they would just come out in ways of like, I had a boyfriend and I get jealous and it would come out in that way. And then mm. like I would be around someone else that was in, in their power and it would come out that way. But and so it would be actually more painful because would you rather stretch it over four years or go through it for a year and a half? <laughs> Hello? Yes, sister. I'm on that like <gasps> fast pace, like came here to experience and learn vibe as well. I love what you said yeah. about um, re-experiencing the feminine from within. And I really had that experience as well around like, there are so many faces of the feminine that we're not shown via the stereotypes, the boxes that we're taught to fit in. Like this is a woman, this is feminine. Like you were saying, like boobs, bums, hair, makeup, blah, 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 dresses. And it's like, what happens when you show up with a shaved head, you know, and feel, I mean, for me, I felt the most connected to my sexuality, my power, my beauty that I'd ever felt. And because of that, because it was a reclamation a bit of it was like, yeah, there was like this energy of like of not needing to adhere anymore. And I hear you saying you kind of stepped out of the out of playing the game, like the undercover oracle. And I mm-hmm. I felt that in my own way of being not able to hide behind my hair. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to walk into a room with really long blonde hair. There's so many stories and assumptions and projections based on that. And sometimes I couldn't be bothered having to prove them wrong or that I was different to that. So I would just be like, yeah, that's me. I'm the dumb blonde chick or I'm the like sexy vixen or I'm the whatever. And there was like a part of my shadow that would just be like, yep, yeah, fuck it. Yep. Yeah, that's me. Project whatever onto me as, as opposed to standing in the discomfort of a people not being able to peg you. <laughs> like mm-hmm. who is this chick? This, I love you said this bald chick. Mm-hmm. It's like, who is this chick? And they have to be in that discomfort. It's uncomfortable for people, you know, mm-hmm. especially if I show up still feeling myself And they're like, Mm. but you Mm -hmm. aren't meant to be. Why are you like that? And Mm -hmm. then you get to kind of just hold the discomfort of people not being able to peg you. And I just love hearing you share that. Mm -hmm. What is your biggest takeaway, like, from shaking your hand? There was so much there. But if if there was, like, one thing you could distill it down to, that's a hard question, but I'm asking it. (laughs) (laughs) I like hard questions. I think uh, the impermanence of everything. (laughs) you go through initiation where you shave the head and then the hair grows back and you get hose, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're back and now I've got like longer hair again and I can pin it up or whatever. And it's like recognizing, yeah, the impermanence of all of it and, 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 and feeling into the, the sacredness of the emotions that come up in the moment. It's very interesting for me to hear your experience of how actually you felt the most empowered you've ever felt and like the most in, in, in connected with your, your sensuality and sexuality and that I was actually quite the opposite. Um, and, uh, and yet it's, it's, it, that's why it's an initiation because it will be the necessary medicine for the individual of what it is that they're going to go through. So it's not a drag and drop experience of like, well, copy and paste. It, if it happened to me, it happened to you. It will happen to you. It's it's just an acknowledgement of maybe you needed to claim your sensuality in a deeper way, and 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 really allow that to sink into the core of your being, and you weren't before. And this is a, like a reset blank slate kind of experience. For me, it was an acknowledgement that I had placed a large amount of attachment to external beauty, and mm-hmm. I had unconsciously done that. For, me too, sister. <laughs> my whole life. I'm like, well, if I do this, then I'll be beautiful. Then I'll be accepted. Then I'll someone who will like me. Or if I do this, then, I'll, then then someone will like me. And it was just constantly this unconscious running of placing my power in and, and my perception of self in the eyes of others. Yeah. So weird As, that you did that. Like, where would you have gotten that idea from? So, so bizarre. To, Yeah. She was like, wait, what, bitch? I'm like, yeah, being facetious. Like, just, just, just be human, I guess. Like, just be born and have an army and then it might happen to you. Yeah, I think people listening may be able to resonate with that one. Why do you, what do you, like, let, speaking of beauty, this is such a huge thing for humans, but particularly women, gender non-conforming, femme-identifying folk, this attachment to beauty and not the real beauty that you and I are talking about that gets revealed the inner beauty that radiates from within 
this like cheap cheeseburger version that gets sold back to us. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we are beings that are very caught up in our five senses. And from somebody that has had one of my senses, uh, my hearing massively decrease, I've actually sent a lot of my energy towards my extrasensory perception beyond just my hearing loss, but also um, with with the shamanic realms, with working with plant medicines, with working indigenous elders, like this has just taught me a life so far beyond the five senses that actually realizing we're very limited to our five senses. However, the five sensory human is actually a human that is not tapping into the fullest magic of the human experience. And the five sensory human is very like, you know, it, it's primal. Like, it's like, I see, I like, you know, <laughs> and like, it's like, it's kind of like caveman, like, men's eyes are connected to their dick so it's like oh it's beautiful she's got big boobs i want to fuck her you know like (laughs) and it's just like very five sensory primal kind of um way of operating and we get stuck in that now if you actually want to be in a relationship that has got any type of substance whatsoever beyond the physical like appearance um then it goes into feeling it goes into like how do i feel when i'm around this person do i feel seen by this person do i feel honored by this person do i feel alive am i am i laughing am i having a good time now that's the only recipe that's actually going to create any sort of longevity in the relationship and yet in the moment the moment attraction is like that that monkey kind of like oh this looks good and so um, we get caught up in that and we get caught and it's, and it's the same thing that's linked with like getting caught up and well, if I make X amount of money, then I'll be happy. Or if I get this car, then I'll be happy. And it's all from our five senses. But realizing actually happiness cannot be created because somebody gave me something. It's an inside job. And this is an, ex- an evolved sense of awareness. And so it doesn't mean that we can't have these beautiful flesh puppets, that we can't adorn them. It's just an invitation into a more richer experience of life beyond the five senses where we can actually be tantalized by the feeling because the feeling is the secret source. It's the only thing the universe responds to. And if we want to call mm. in more things, we've got to feel the energy of it. And and mm. so if we're bypassing the realm of feeling beyond the extrasensory perception, we're living a very 2D reality and yeah. it's um it's it's surface level it's the rat race and it's what society is pushing on us of what what it means to be human which i'm not buying the bullshit <laughs> a fucking mama sister so with this five sense reality versus the kind of expanded awareness and perceptions i feel like there's two kind of schools of thought so there's limitless schools of thought but it's two that are prominent in the spiritual world right there's the transcendent like go beyond the body, transcend the body, transcend the mind, transcend the primal. And then there's the go within. It's like, I think Carl Jung called it lumine naturalis and lumine, can't remember the exact word. It's like basically Latin for saying the light within or the light of the divine. And mm-hmm. so it's like, is are we going to go into the mud and find the key there, which is very tantric or dance practices or, you know, all that primal stuff, or are we going to transcend and rise above uh, do you sit in either of those schools of thoughts when it comes to expanding beyond the five senses or something mm. different entirely? Mm. For me, I mean, the transcending piece, I don't I don't necessarily resonate with as much because I feel like the only way to the spiritual realm is through the 3D and it's through this dimension. And, and then from going through this reality, then we start to transcend our attachment or our desires or our identification with certain things. But the yeah. only way to get to that point is, is, is down and through. And so, mm. and then I think also like within the spiritual community, we don't quite realize that. And so we'll see like a very, common theme where there's a lot of people that are completely broke that they don't have a home and yet they're like you know super spiritual and and there's something like really beautiful about the the art of non-attachment and simultaneously um there's also something really beautiful about the five senses and being able to experience the human experience experiencing the orgasm experiencing eating the pizza experiencing the conversation experience you know like life through that experience and so for me, going into the extrasensory perception is actually, if it's based off of feeling, say the sixth sense is the feeling realm, and I will set myself up situations in this realm, in my body, that tap me into feeling. So mm-hmm. breath work, movement, sound, music, 
being in a a group of people, but working for a similar vision, like a shoal of Mm. fish. Like it creates a feeling that is through the physical realm, but into a place where you actually transcend time and space. Mm. Mm. What I'm hearing you say there is that intention is so key. It's like you're going to do the thing that is the 3D thing or the in the body thing, but there's an intention to do it and through it expand beyond it rather than... Mm -hmm the intention to transcend, which I think is super key. From the inside out, almost. Um, But ultimately everything is subjective to what intention consciously or unconsciously you place behind it. So it's like, well, I'm going to go play this music because I'm, I'm praying to something greater than myself. All of a sudden you can play music and like get into a trance and it's like, and it could be like, you know, mantras or, or kirtan or, you know, something that like gets you in this place where you're playing music and all of a sudden that time and space doesn't exist and you go into a transcendent state. But it's, for me, it's through the inside of the instrument and it's from the, the intention. Um, mm. And, mm. and that, and, and ultimately everything is the divine in that sense. Uh, whether I can transcend through food, I can transcend through through orgasm, I can transcend through playing music, I can transcend through writing um, when it comes to the intention of connecting with something greater than myself. Mm, very, very tantric. I love it. I'm right with you there, sister. Mm. I know you're a big proponent of silliness and playfulness, and we're kind of talking about the being human and experiencing God through that. And I know that uh, you talk a lot about silliness as a superpower and almost a spiritual practice. I don't know if I'm getting that right. Tell us more about that. Oh, what a great question. This is my, one of my faves. I just think that, and I read this in the Gene Keys, Richard Rudd um, created this text called the Gene Keys, which is something that I've devoted my, my a lot of uh, time and, and energy into learning and studying and a student of. And he talks about how one of the greatest diseases on the planet is over seriousness and um, I just really resonate with that. Like even in the spiritual world, you know, people are like live your best life, but they're telling you with like a permanently pinched expression on their face. And it's like, I would never pay you money to guide me because you're missing the point. Here. Like <laughs> ultimately, if you really look at the grand scale of things, you're floating on a massive rock hurling through space at millions of miles an hour, held into orbit by a huge ball of fire while rotating on an axis. And yet I'm running from A to B like this. Because it's like, we're missing the point that actually we don't know shit and this life is profoundly magical and there's so much more to this human experience than we can ever imagine and actually being in the play of it allows us to activate and 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 bring the vitality of what it means to be human again but the second we get super serious we've lost the point here and so for me it's just my default is to bring the silliness i go super fucking deep and at the same time like like to bring the play codes into it and be ridiculous and laugh at myself and call myself out on my own shit and 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 realize with without the humor I don't really or the play I don't really see what the point is and so even if I'm you know in a group container or like in, in a circle or something and it gets really serious I'm out instantly um or will you know invite the activation of play into it but for me, play is a spiritual practice because I think I did a podcast with Aubrey Marcus once and he said to me that you can tell a spiritual master by their laugh. And uh, mm. when I when, when I did my interview with Sadhguru, he's just laughing a lot. Like he was just like, oh, 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 oh. You know, like a Santa laugh. Like he's just like constantly giggling. And he's talking about some really profound topics, but he's laughing the whole time and he's playing and and I think that um, that's somebody that actually gets it a little bit. Like, not that we really un- know anything, but kind of gets the cosmic joke of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel that so deeply, sister. I love what a walking invitation you are and a permission slip to invite more play, more of the time uh, in such an integrated way. It's, yeah, it's like one of my favorite things about you. It's a really beautiful oh. gift that you have. Oh. Speaking well, last of time this, I saw you, by the way, for reference point, you were wearing a pink wig and a leopard print onesie, and you were having a great time. And I was like, "That's okay, I'll see you. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, I love love a wig. As we we're talking about, love an accent, love a yeah. silliness. It's like more, more, more. I couldn't yeah. agree. Any spiritual teacher that I've uh, sat at the feet of and really enjoyed or really admired, really gotten a lot from, is usually laughing a lot. So I couldn't resonate more with that speaking of that I can't remember who it is 
I'll put it in the show notes, but there's a spiritual teacher that talks about this idea that the unawakened one can actually look really similar to the outside eyes or the untrained eye, let's say, as a deeply awakened human. And that there's this kind of stage in the middle where let's say you're unawakened, you're unconscious, like you were talking about earlier, living in the rat race, living in the belief that power is external and that when I have this, then I'll be happy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you wake up. And what usually happens, but not always, is that we go into this kind of process of purification where we're like, okay, I need to stop eating these things. I'm going to have this certain diet and I need to speak a certain way and stop like, and, and Rightly so. Let's say we stop complaining or we learn how to um, shift our words into certain more positive frameworks. And we do all these things that can look a little bit restrictive and can put us into this kind of strict purification process. It's really important. But from the outside in, it's like, okay, this is the right way. That is the wrong way. I was living the wrong way. Now I am living or trying to live the right way. And it has this serious energy about it. But then what can happen or usually happens is that you kind of start to integrate more and you pop out on the other side. And all of a sudden you're eating whatever the hell you want, saying whatever the hell you want, doing whatever the hell you want, expressing however the hell you want, but it's coming from a totally different place. And yet from the outside, it looks the same almost, right? Would you agree with that? What do you think about that? Well, I've never heard that before. Um, And I I, I like that you just brought that into my my consciousness. Um, I think that there is an element of truth to that from my perspective, right? From from how I've seen life. And I think that um, where I'm at in that journey specifically just in, in my present experience, like I'm in a full like cleaning of my gut. And and, mm. and usually with that awakening process is also realizing, hey, my second brain is my gut. Um, uh, you know, a crazy percentage, like 70% of something, my serotonin levels come from my gut. And if my gut is out of balance, then I'm going to go through mood swings and whatnot. So if I really want to be able to be of service, I've got to have some more of a balanced inner reality. And so for me, it was like a full detox of my gut, which also meant like eliminating all sugars, eliminating all grains, eliminating all fruit, eliminating all uh, starch. Like, I mean, it's just a really restricted diet. And so when, and now I feel so LA, like I show up at a gathering and I'm like, is it gluten-free, sugar-free, grain-free, <laughs> everything free? Basically all I can have is ice cubes. <laughs> like, got any ice cubes that we get? <laughs> Um, like, you know, from the outside, it can be so restrictive and so like regimented. Um, and so I'm in that like middle stage where it, it's very intense. And yet also I've taken it seriously, but I'm also like not super serious about it. Like when it, uh, addressing with it, but yeah, it, it, from the outside, it, it's like, oh, she's on the spiritual path. She doesn't eat grain or she's vegan or she's this, you know? And, um, so I'm in that little from your analogy or where you got that from I'm in that little middle stage and simultaneously I really understand and I see the perspective of a spiritual a truly like fully connected being does not place a label on things being good or bad or spiritual or not spiritual like I'm having a beer that's not spiritual and and also there's a there's a thing within that middle phase which is a spiritual hierarchy or spiritual elitism which is like oh oh, you drink beer? Oh, it's so low vibrational. Like, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that is also a thing in realizing actually, you know, what we're really looking at is, is unconditional love and unconditional non-judgment for all beings. And so getting caught up in the over-seriousness, which can turn into a spiritual elitism, which then actually creates more division, which is the very thing that actually quote-unquote spiritual people wouldn't do, can be caught up in that middle section. But so I can totally see on the other side of it, where the individual before they start the journey and the individual that is on the other side of it can seem very similar. And I think that there's a lot of power and also discernment around totally. everything has a vibrational charge. And totally. everything that we put in our body is it will create information. And information is just turned into the essence of who we are. And so if I'm eating like a Big Mac from meat that has been like killed from a cow that has spent its whole life in a pen in an adrenaline inducing environment and then was killed like inhumanely and was an angry sad animal and I ate the flesh of it like from my personal experience I don't think it's really supportive so me just eating whatever I want and doing whatever I want does that actually serve me in the long run so there's a there's like a gray area on that Totally. And I think that what what the teacher means by that, or at least what I interpreted is that 
although the being may be choosing to eat whatever they want, what they want might've drastically changed during the awakening process, Uh, you know, but it's, it's still coming. It just, there's this unbridled nature that I think returns. It's like this, this playfulness, like we're talking about this freedom, this kind of openness, this receptivity of a like checking in rather than the rules, which I was Mm -hmm. hearing you kind of point to as well, rather than that is always bad and wrong feeling into, yeah, what is the frequency that I'm inhabiting in my body? What's the set and setting of this environment? Because it's almost mm. like, you know, at any dose a medicine can become poison and with the wrong set and setting, we know if you've experienced plant medicine, even the greatest medicines can become, you know, not less necessarily the most helpful or potent thing. So you're so right. It's so gray and such a, a dance of discernment and moment mm-hmm. to moment checking in. But I just thought it was interesting to bring up considering we were talking about the playfulness and the freedom that like, from the outside, you get to the other side. And, and I think we move in cycles as well. I don't think that we're always fully awake. I think that I certainly at least have moments of sleepness mm-hmm. and moments of feeling so fully radically connected. And the further I go along my journey, the longer those moments of feeling connected are and the shorter the moments of feeling asleep are and the better I get at bouncing back and the better my resilience is as my toolkit mm-hmm. expands. But um, yeah, I don't think we like wake up and sit there forever. Well, right. unless you're enlightened, I'm not. <laughs> so speaking of like awakening, what does it mean to be an awakened woman to you? Mm. To me, uh, being an awakened woman means to be an embodied woman, is to uh, feel the jealousy and run it through the system and without, because there's a difference and it talks about this in the jinkies, there's this, the shadow of dishonor, which is, for example, to feel jealousy and then go, well, you made me feel this way and you should stop doing that. And this isn't going to work. And it goes out. And what dishonor does is it dishonors ourselves. It dishonors the other person. Now, the, the gift of graciousness is the on the other side of the coin. Now, still feel the emotion, right? We're not spiritually bypassing uh, the emotion of the, the, the experience of it. So it comes up. Here comes the jealousy. All right, I feel it in the core of my being. I, I see that this is the woman that activated it. And this is my partner that I'm afraid of losing. But I acknowledge and I have a sense of emotional maturity and awareness that actually this is a wounded part of myself of when I was a child and when I was abandoned or when my ex-boyfriend cheated on me and this is now a past experience flipping onto a future timeline. I'm actually going to go, I'm feeling an emotion right now. Right now I feel like my judgment is clouded because this emotion is present in my field. I'm going to get back to you tomorrow Mm -hmm. and go and go for a run, beat the shit out of a pillow, go do some rage techniques, go... Go work with Carly Ma, go um, meditate, breath work, like ecstatic dancing, like shaking it out, go jump in the ocean. Now, this is me feeling all of it. It's like mm-hmm. moving through my body, but I graciously transmute it because I have the tools to do so. Mm-hmm. And so I'm feeling the dark side of the moon, the shame, the guilt, the unworthiness, the jealousy, the separation, the uncertainty. And then I also feel the play, the creativity, the joy, the excitement, the love, and let whatever is alive run through my body without dishonoring anybody else in the process of it. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens is it's like, well, I feel this life force energy and I reclaim my power back from it because I'm not putting it away in the corner because it's an unworthy part of myself that's not welcome here. It's I mm-hmm. welcome all of me. Mm. And I have the tools to transmute all of me with grace. And from that place, my service is born. People respect me because of the way that I transmute and and, and alchemize my emotional process. I am an awakened woman because I have awakened my shadow and I have made peace with it. Mm. Yes, queen. Love, love, love the amount of energy surging through you right now. Feel that as you listen, people. Let that all the way in, honey. (laughs) Yes, yes. Just making friends with the shadow. Such a huge piece that I wish we were taught in school and perhaps our next generation will be. I had a train of thought and I was like, I'm so turned on by and alive by the energy right now that I'm like, speaking of of just letting it rip through you. There we go. And now that I let it through me, it's come back. (laughs) Literally, case in point. Uh was hearing you talk about the the requesting space. That's such a big key piece and such a beautiful, tangible, actionable takeaway that people listening can really embody is like, yeah, if you're feeling something, request space. I recently took six months 
space from a friend because I was feeling so activated about something that I knew I would not be able to show up as the person that I want to be in that space. And that was so hard because there was all the parts of me that are like, I should be spiritual enough to just transmute it straight away. I should be able to just have this conversation right now. And honoring that word, honoring that I was not yet able to, I was not. And so I had to and got to just sit in the, I love you said, the dark side of the moon in, re- in regards to that relationship and digest and digest. And very recently, like six months later, I got to the space where I was like, okay, I'm ready to have a conversation now and was able to th- then show up. And it was just such a um, beautiful example that I, I lived that really echoes what you're saying about asking for space when you need it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of jealousy, jealousy Mm. and partnership, um, I heard you use that as an example. What can we learn from that? Have you uh, learnt much from that dynamic? I think it's pretty common for anyone listening who's loved someone (laughs) a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, the the love is the ultimate (laughs) dojo. Like, it's so easy to be like, I'm calling the partner. I'm calling, you know, the love of my life. Beautiful. Yeah, call them in. You also realize you're calling in the greatest dojo I've ever asked for because it's the most transparent and vulnerable space and your heart is laid out on the table. And then also, like, how they may receive it can absolutely determine any issues of self-worthiness or self self self-worth in the in the in the grasp of somebody else and and it's it's so confronting and it's it, it, it's so illuminating and there's so much growth that can be happening in that face but ultimately you know like like be in a relationship with a mirror and uh you like wake up and there's the mirror again and you're like taking a shit and there's the mirror and like brushing your teeth and there's the mirror and you're like wow like if I'm committed to this person I'm living with this person in the same house I ain't gonna escape my own reflection and until I can make peace with that version of myself or whatever is looking back at me then I it's going to be challenging and it's going to be very confronting and uh ultimately the greatest tool for me is that whenever I feel emotion do not project because my lens will go well it's because he does this and it's because it's like that and that's his relationship with this person I don't like this and it's so easy for me to pick up everything I don't like about that other person because my lens is is creating that shift but if I can have the awareness of going do not project your internal experience on that person and always 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 when it comes to having a clearing conversation this is my experience. These are my feelings. And speak from the I am language. That will always ensure a deeper level of intimacy, no matter what emotion it is that's coming up. It's just really difficult to work with someone that is projecting all over you. It's just going to create more division. You can't, there's no way to like create intimacy because it's just like a, and of course that person doesn't want to be around it. And so it creates the very self-fulfilling prophecy of the things that we didn't want in the first place, which is for the division to happen. <laughs> and so it's like, can I catch myself in this loop and be like, you know what? I'm not going to keep this going. Hey, Andre, I felt really jealous when um, so-and-so came into the picture and you guys are texting it. It made me feel this certain way. Okay. Uh, well, what, what came up for you? Well, I felt like I wasn't, that you didn't love me or that I was less than or that I was unworthy. Now he can work with me for days because I am sitting there in my little 12 year old self being like, I don't feel worthy. Okay, cool. How can I support you in feeling worthy within your own skin? Oh, now it creates intimacy because he can love me in my wounds. Mm. Do you feel like there's a fear of intimacy rife on this planet? And if so, do you feel like there's a medicine or an antidote for that? Uh, I'm giving you the big ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you asked that question knowing the answer. Uh, it's a fear of feeling. It's not been safe to feel. We've not been safe to feel. We've grown up in environments where men have, the second that they feel anything, have been called a pussy to stop crying, to suck it up, to be a man, to get punched on the arm and sent out and rub some dirt in it. And like, like men have not had safe places to feel. And so they, that, that's, their, that's their experience. That's their past experience. Now, also with women, you're too much or you're so emotional or all this. And so feeling 
has not been safe to feel it. So we shut it and we suppress it and it turns inwards and it usually eats away at our sense of self-worth. So yeah, it's not, it's, it's scary to feel because we don't know if we're going to push someone away. We don't know if someone's going to shut us out. We don't know if it's going to be the very thing in the circle when everybody's sharing the highlight of their ceremony and you're the one that went through fucking hell and you've got to talk about it and you're the only one that's got a negative experience. Is it safe? If it, is it really safe to actually express that? And so I think actually what we need more than ever is safe spaces to feel. Mm. For people to be in those spaces to allow themselves to actually feel whatever is alive and know that the people around them are going to sit around your emotions as if it's a sacred fire and ask, how can I support you? And and you can literally just go and say whatever it is that's on your heart and know that there will not be any repercussions in this space. Um, we need more of that. And mm-hmm. so it's not that yeah, necessarily, I mean, yeah, people are afraid of feeling, which is ultimately intimacy, because if you break down the word intimacy, it's into me, you see, and that's my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in a world where it's not been safe to, to, to feel, what would it look like to start building spaces for people to be able to feel again and to create a place where actually we utilize our emotions, which is the feminine principle, which is the thing that's out of balance with the masculine to actually come into restoration again and we can actually start to see balance on this planet where mother earth is actually being listened to and we're not just taking from her Mm. why do you think that wound from 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 where did this wound come like why 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 suppress feelings why be afraid to feel Mm -hmm. listen i was on my deathbed a few days ago i had with a fever i had like five days of just like I was dead. And whenever I'm like down, I've got no energy. Every single muscle in my body hurts. I'm not excited about anything. Like, I was like, why do people suffer so much? Like, just everything that's going on in the Middle East. And and, uh, and ultimately, it comes down to like the most primordial question of like, of like, the light and the dark and and the polarity of the human experience and ultimately if you look at everything in the human experience we cannot know light without dark we cannot know hot without cold we cannot know joy without sadness and um after those five days of like really going through it i just had today yesterday been so illuminating so many gifts are coming into my life and so much activation on the other side of seeing no joy and having no and feeling only pain physical pain um and so uh i think that i think that uh, we came here to remember mm-hmm. and literally remember and like the lotus flower it moves through a fuck ton of mud um but it's also in our suffering that unites us together it's not through our joy that brings us together. It's actually through when we suffer, when when things like, you know, a, a fire happens in Topanga and people come together and they share resources. Like it's a time when people come together and they actually remember that we're all in this together. Um, and so ultimately it's leading us to a sense of oneness. But first and foremost, we've got to address the part of us that's forgotten. Mm, yeah, forgetting for the sheer bliss of remembering. It's like we get that rising to the feet reclamation i guess that's kind of the cosmic joke right that we signed up for all of it yeah <laughs> including yeah. the most horrific horrendous grief stricken mm-hmm. things uh what i'm hearing you say is that contrast is a beautiful sweet teacher what has contrast taught you contrast has taught me uh to find there's a book called existential kink and um it's brilliant. I can't remember the name of uh, the author. Um, Carolyn Miss, remember? I think. Okay, good, beautiful. Thank you. Um, and she talks about can you find the bliss in the pain? And uh, the answer for me recently has been yes. Like, mm-hmm. for example, the fever, like hot and cold sweats on the toilet constantly every single muscle hurts and there's also a part of me that's like haha you have an excuse not to respond to your email you don't have to do anything you don't have to you don't have to change your clothes today you can watch netflix all day if you want and there's this part of me that kind of loves it 
mm-hmm. you know, like I'm in the pain and I'm also loving it. And like when somebody has an issue and they're triggered with me or they want to have a clearing conversation with me, I'm also like, ah, oh, here's an amazing curriculum, not only to learn a, a bit more about myself, but also to learn a deeper level of intimacy of how I can relate to this individual, like to find the juice in that this is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's what te- like polarity has been an amazing teacher for me is to maintain the level of trust, no matter what it is that's in it, that's in the, the 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 frame of the movie of life. Mm-hmm. So right now, oh, this person's angry at me. I trust this too. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's medicine in this. Oh, wow. I'm at a wedding and this is like the most beautiful expression of divine union. And this is beautiful. Okay. There's like beauty in this too. And so, um, yeah, just finding the beauty in everything. Yeah. And that's something that will never, ever, ever leave me. This this emotion will leave me at some point and be switched out with another emotion. But the trust, that gets to stay with me for forever. Mm, so beautiful. Very tantric as well, that capacity mm. to just get in touch with the part of us that came to live, the part of us that came to fucking live and experience all of it as an experience as an expression of that aliveness, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm feeling grief. Yeah. I'm feeling sick. Yeah. I'm feeling pain. I'm alive. And what a gift that is. I came here to to live, to experience. And I think that for myself, pace and presence has really been my biggest teacher in allowing me to, especially with, let's say menstrual cramps, that's a ceremony for me every month. And like learning how to ride that wave is a big Mm -hmm. thing to slow down my experience of the pain, to slow down, let's say my relationship to the pain, Mm. to slow down all of it, how I'm moving, how I'm feeling, to slow down my connection to my rage, to slow down my connection to whatever. And what I found is the more I slow down, the more present I can get and the more aware of the aliveness within all of it I can become. And it's like, Mm. I love what you're saying about how that doesn't leave you. The capacity to do that is such a sound vehicle for our consciousness. It's mm-hmm. like, mm, wow. I like that. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And these, and if we can gift ourselves with these little nuggets that stay with us for the rest of our lives, it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter who breaks your heart or who leaves you, but you know that you get to be with that for the rest of your life. It's the greatest asset we could ever give ourselves is that gift of self-awareness in those spaces. Mm. Speaking of heartbreak, you just mentioned as as an example. Oh, heartbreak. Have you have you ever had your heart broken? Uh, if so, what did you learn from that? And how can those listening rise? Or what would be your advice? Mm. I ever have my heart broken. Um so I've only been in two relationships my whole life. Um one was of three years prior to the one I'm in right now and then this one um it's been uh, just under two years and my past relationship I actually was the, the the one that closed out and so my heart was broken because of the attachment of what it was going to be uh, the child we were going to have the family his family that I connected with my love for him and I still have a very deep love for him but it just wasn't supporting me with the direction in which I wish to move in and so yeah my heart was broken and um not in the typical way of like he he, he left me or he dumped me but my heart was broken of, of devoting myself for three years to somebody and then it, it not working out uh and I, I would say that during that time Heartbreak is actually some of the most beautiful times where uh, for creation for me, because I'm so much more connected with my emotions. I'm so much more connected to those raw feelings. And from those places, I can alchemize like a mother lover, like we'll go in there and I'll be writing some poetry and then they become a song and then I'll be inspired to create a painting. And then from a painting, I'm going to create this whole new like business. But like it usually for me, once I've moved through the, like the, the dead phase, like I actually start coming out and I use the heartbreak as just life force energy to create and to meet myself again and to create a world of beauty. So I don't know where this came came from. Uh, I'm super famous and super tapped in, said it. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the cracks are where the, Rumi, the cracks, cracks are where the light enters. 
and um and and so the heartbreak is literally where that light is just going to go and 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 break all the way through it and there's a japanese tradition of when they they have a broken part they they instead of like throwing it away they put it they, they fill it with gold and so the actual the most precious part is actually the cracks because mm-hmm. it's made of gold and so um i would say that from a, a different lens, what can I alchemize? And just be in the question and the narrative of what can I alchemize from my heartbreak and mm-hmm. see what wants to come through and see what wants to be shared. Maybe it's I'm, I'm starting to create new cook, cook, cooking dishes or like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting new friends or I'm going to new places or I'm taking myself to the park once a week because I'm so sad and then all of a sudden I meet someone there or like, how can I turn what what is an absolute heartbreak and alchemize it into something beautiful? And just stay in that question for a moment and see what comes forward. Mm. I think it was Dolly Parton who said, "Take your take your broken heart and make it into art." Is that Dolly Parton? Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know who said it, but that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Is there any bridge that you use or that you would suggest for that transition period? Like you're saying, when I'm dead, that kind of I can't move, I can't eat, I can't get up, I can't. I can't, you know, that, that feeling of, will I ever laugh again? Will I ever smile again? Even though, you know, we know we will. Once you get through, I think your first heartbreak and you don't die, you're like, wow, really thought I was a goner there for a minute and I didn't die. So I think at least you have that, like we're talking about that trust, but sometimes it can be hard to get the energy moving. But what I'm hearing you say is that when you do get into that creation it can be such a powerful portal for alchemy is there a bridge or something you would suggest for people who who are like and not yet at the creation yeah yeah it's 100 and it's surrender and it's uh it's like in our mind it's so easy to look on instagram and look on the stories and everybody i'm over here rock climbing and i'm over here and i'm (laughs) paragliding through Bora Bora Island and I'm in, in bed and I haven't even like brushed my teeth for three days straight right? and it's so easy to look at somebody else's highlight reel and be like I should be doing something else and we get caught up in a cycle of not only are we heartbroken but we're shaming ourselves on top of it because we think we're supposed to be doing something else now that is exhausting and it's going to take you further and further and further away from the alchemical process of being able to turn it into something beautiful and so can I, and this is a, a quote by a dear sister of mine, Reverend Brianna Lynn, and she said, the most sacred thing is what is. So if I feel like I don't want to do shit today and I'm going to lay down and I can afford to do that in a sense where I don't have any uh, commitments, um, then can I just for one day not judge myself in this process of resting? Can <laughs> I for one day not shame and guilt myself for being heartbroken and not getting out of bed? Can I actually just surrender? Because the actually the realization is that if I can allow this to be the gestation period for when the next creative wave is about to hit, but the only way for the creative wave to hit is to soften deeper into it. And if I can soften deeper into deeper into it, then all of a sudden I wake up and I've got more energy and I feel like I want to create something. But it's only because yesterday I didn't judge myself and I surrendered and softened into what is. Yeah. So when I feel like shit, I soften into that and I listen Mm. to that and I let her be and I enjoy it. And then (laughs) the next day I'm back. Yeah. That takes so much psychic energy to hold all of that judgment and shame in place, like valuable, vital life energy that our heart needs Mm. for healing in those moments. So such good, potent advice. For people who are wanting to cultivate more of their own creatrix, because I'm hearing you talk about you're painting and singing and you are an incredibly embodied creative being. You paint, you sing, you play, podcast, you write, like you're really channeling that energy through. And I think it's our birthright, you know, for all of us. So is there any advice for people that feel like maybe quote unquote, I'm not creative or they haven't tapped into that yet? Mm-hmm. well the first thing that comes up is um everybody's creative uh which is some of us are not tapping into it and um uh, brianna said to me once which i really resonate with is um anxiety is trapped creative potential um and <sighs> it just hasn't got it it doesn't have an outlet and so we think creativity is like I, I well i'm not a musician i'm not a singer and i'm not a painter so i'm not creative well actually you know what every day you put clothes on 
that's an opportunity to create that as a canvas or um, organizing your bedroom in a way that you've got flowers on, on an, or you build an altar, that's creative or making a, a, a food dish from scratch and not having a, a recipe guide and to just go from your taste. That's creative. Make a beautiful piece of artwork out of your food. Um, finding a bunch of sticks and stones and, and 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 random objects and making a mandala just for the sake of it on the floor in the national park that's creative um you know there's so many different ways to actually be creative in life i i like to create an experience where life and art merge into one that my life is an expression of art you know going back to the point of the ponytail of just like you know putting a ponytail in and, and feeling this energy that comes through and that's creative to you know to wear makeup slightly different that's creative and and so it's really first and foremost there's there's, uh, the question I would say is what were you doing when you were five six seven years old before society told you who to be um Mm -hmm. and just sit with your journal and write down who were you what did you do Mm -hmm. did you did you put on funny costumes and put on plays for your family or did you do silly voices or you know did you play with your your dolls and and create a whole world for them there there is a creative being inside of you but it's just been told you can't make money from it or that's not proactive or like you know and we get so caught up in a in a goal-orientated society that we completely bypass the process of it the process orientated. And that's what it means to create is like, can I just do something that is so fun for me that I lose myself in the moment? I don't look at the time and it's now process orientated experience and relating. Um, And then from that five-year-old self or that seven-year-old self, and you start to reactivate it, ask myself, how can I bring creativity into the mundane? So for example, I don't really like making the bed sometimes, but what I do is I, as a 30-year-old woman, tell myself in my mind that I am on a TV show like American Ninja Warrior, but it's about making beds. And I have only so much time to make the perfect bed. And I press an invisible buzzer and I run over and I make the bed super fast and I get all worked up and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I press the buzzer and then this confetti goes off and I'm like, yay! And I, I literally just, as a 30-year-old woman, just made my bed in the morning. But I was on a whole TV show and I was like, <laughs> you know. But I'm it's, it's mundane, but I brought play into it and I brought creativity into it. So creativity is always available, but it's usually, you know, the, 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 the child in us that kind of like got put to the side and told that it was unworthy. But actually, it's the most important part to truly live a vital filled prosperous life and can we actually find the beauty in the mundane of making the bed or washing the dishes and uh, and and make it fun yeah fuck yeah you know what's coming through is as I'm hearing you share that potent download is this I'm like putting my hands there right now is our sacral it's responsible for our play our creativity but also our sexuality Mm -hmm. and what I see is a pattern between across both those things that can happen based on the shame and the repression that you're talking about that we experience in childhood is this, we stop listening to our inner impulses, the little impulse, the little thing that lights us up, the little energy of inspiration that says, what if this was a TV show? Or that says, oh, I really want to make love to my partner right now. Or, and when the voice says, it's not a TV show, you know, of the, of doubt, or now's not a good time to make love to your partner or whatever it is, or what if I could paint or like just following those little impulses of our sexual expression, our creative expression that arise and learning how to listen to that impulse and that inner voice again, that can have been so quietened by society and shame and all that. Do you see that there's a connection for you in your um, sexuality and your creativity? Um, yeah, it's the same center. It's the same power center. It's the it's the sacral center. Um, I think that, like you were saying earlier, wearing yeah, a wig in the bedroom. Yeah, like that's I, I kind just, of yeah. <laughs> I just went so deep into a ball right now with that question. I'm like, what's it relate in my life? And I'm like, I'm a fucking human. And then did that pain come out? I'm like, you know. um, but uh, I think that. Um, yeah, it's definitely directly linked. And the actually, the more time that I go without having an orgasm, without being in relation sexually with another person, um, but that energy gets conserved and and, and 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 goes up into my being, I create a lot. 
Um, really? And I, yeah. And, um, and it, it just turns and alchemizes into something else uh, because like energy, like Albert Einstein talks about energy can't be created nor destroyed, only changed in form. And so if there was like an arousal that came up in me, but it's channeled into a different direction, it turns into potent creativity and it becomes an offering in the world. Yes. Um, and then also I like to utilize like, uh, being you know in partnership and having an orgasm and but putting an intention behind the orgasm and then focusing my energy onto something and large amount of energy that goes into that direction it's like okay cool like not only are you like a handsome boyfriend that I like to you know do, 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 but also <laughs> you're gonna be my manifesting pogo stick and so I'm gonna like manifest the whole world <laughs> um from that place of pleasure oh, and yeah. um, pleasure is such an amazing source or like root source of, of creation because and anything that's pushed from that first domino of that high frequency of pleasure then has to follow suit based off of the law of, of, of cause and effect. And so um, if I'm creating something from a place of fear, then it's going to come out the outcome of that place of fear of where it originated from. So, all of my offerings come from my highest excitement, from my pleasure, from my orgasms, from my full podcast, from my creativity, from my play. And I'm, I've made a commitment, never, ever, ever will I create anything because I feel like I should create this because I need to make money. So that's mm-hmm. coming from a place of fear and it's not serving this space. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I will definitely sit more with how my sensuality and my creativity are interla- interlaced. But I would say that I've gone through life of having zero creativity and working in an office job nine to five and not being really very sexually tapped in at all to then being like in, you know, two long-term relationships with a very thriving sex life and creating nonstop. And so they are intricately linked and, um, and there's a lot of magic to, to unfold. And I feel like, you know, we could do an even a whole separate podcast just based off of how Tantra and how creativity meet, you know, from your world of, of, of Tantra and what, on all your wisdom and what I know about creativity. But yeah, I think it's a very pun intended juicy topic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I always say when I orgasm, I remember who I am. It really, mm-hmm. if I'm having a moment of sleepness or, you know, needed just a wake up call or a de- it just deepens me into the core of my being. I'm like, I know who the fuck I am and what I came to do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. boom. And I have the best ideas in that space. People have heard me share that before. So just beautiful to hear you echoing that this connection between sensuality and your pleasure and your creativity and and the impulse to create whether that is to practice procreating or (laughs) do a painting it's like there's this deep primal connection that can be a really powerful gateway to the divine Mm -hmm. wow my love I feel like we are just getting started and we're at time which is just that timelessness we were speaking of when we get into that space of play and curiosity and connection. So thank you for bringing your fullest, most delicious self. And if you're ready, I have a few rapid fire questions for you to close out. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm like, surprise. Uh, yeah, let's go. I like okay. So someone comes to you and they're feeling really down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? You are enough. And this emotion Mm. is sacred. Mm. (sighs) What is the most important thing for successful relationships, in your opinion? Transparency, honesty, Mm. and taking radical ownership of your own experience. Boom. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? I would be a combination between a lion and a dolphin. (laughs) Um, Which half? Dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The... Yeah, no, the, the top half would be the lion, the bottom half would be the dolphin. Very interesting <laughs> animal. Um, slippery and furry all at the same time. Um, but, but the lion, to remind, uh, like, the courage to stand in one's truth and to not walk among sheep, but to be proud in the majesty and, and the regalness of what it means to be me. And the dolphin, while well, dolphins can experience pleasure during sex, check. And also, like, hyper, hyper intelligent and communicate through Sonos and, uh, like, vibrational energy. Uh, animals that communicate uh, telepathically through um, electromagnetics in the, in the in the in the water so massively fascinating creatures and i love their playfulness yes i'm glad you kept their orgasmic potential uh if yeah, you could have the point 
<laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? To touch a book and retain all of the information from it. Oh my God, I would love to have that superpower. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you walk into a library and like and you come out and you're like a doctorate in everything <laughs> speaking of uh books which book do you gift the most often <laughs> no, this question is just making me realize i don't gift books enough <laughs> um, uh pussy fucking brilliant book yeah 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 uh, if you could only take one spiritual practice or tool to a desert island with you, what would it be? I just realized, actually, obviously, my answer to the last question is the Gene Keys. I've literally had handed like probably a million of those books out. Um, so that would probably be the best answer. And then what was the next question? Because I was too busy thinking about how I gave you the wrong answer. <laughs> what would be the one spiritual practice you would take to a desert island? I would say morning practice, just like. Um, first thing in the morning like what do you do and 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 how it can literally be such a game changer to have a morning practice yes what is your favorite thing that you own my dog <laughs> a lot of people say that <laughs> something that you believe is true that other people think is crazy maybe not our listeners but let's say gentle uh, um that um that the intelligence of the plant world can can save humanity <laughs> If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? Probably this. Um, it's this really fancy uh, new dessert from Air One, and um, it's made with monk fruit, so I can eat it. And it's probably one of the most delicious things I've ever eaten. And I've just saved one for the end of this podcast as a, as a prize for myself. So I would say oh. this log-looking chocolate thing from Air One. <laughs> my god i love the dessert section of air one that is one thing i miss about living in la holy shit for those listening uh who don't know what air one is it is a fancy af supermarket where like everything is organic everything is high quality there's so much options for gluten-free and sugar-free and it's just a fucking mm-hmm. candy land of health yeah yeah it's and amazing. it's also like really it makes a beautiful dent in your bank account <laughs> Oh yeah, you buy like three things. Like that'll be one hundred and fifty-five dollars, please. And you're like, it's yeah. so worth it. But I have three items. Yeah, you're like, fuck. <laughs> all right. I mean, take like, my money. I'm consenting to this. But like, take my money, and I will just not tell anybody. I'll be back tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm glad yeah. we're on the same page there. Um, last one. If there was a universal answering machine that you were going to leave a fifty-second voice note on that the whole world was going to hear today. What would you say? Every single person on this planet has a superpower and our only responsibility is to find it and share it. And so my invitation for you is to even open up the conversation that there is a superpower that lies within you and get excited about unpiling the layers of what it means to share that with the world. Fuck yes queen thank you for this ponytail thank you for your presence thank you for the play the fucking wisdom bombs that you dropped on all of us i've had an absolute blast thank you sister oh my absolute pleasure i feel very honored and to anybody and everybody that's listening to this thank you for tuning in and watching it and listening to it and where can our listeners find you Oh, um, I just changed my Instagram handle for the probably mid- 10 million times. Um, my name is Blue of Earth on Instagram, uh, B-L-U of Earth. And you can find me on my website at bluecosmiceagle.com. Um, and that's where all my art and my creations and podcasts and videos and YouTube and all of the things. I also have a podcast called Deja Blue Podcast, um, like Deja Vu, but Deja Blue. And you can just type that into Google and it will pop up and you'll find all of the episodes there. We talk about lots of things that we've chatted about today and and, and a variety of different topics. And um, yeah, would love for you to come uh, on the journey. And if you if you found me through this podcast, then just send me a message on Instagram. Be like, I found you on the podcast. And, uh, and um, I'd love to connect with you plus thank you queen thank you for having me that's it for today divine beings thank you so much for tuning in and gifting me with your most precious resource your time and something exciting is happening i am hosting an intimate group coaching container 
awakened love where we're going to be diving deep around healing our original love and attachment wounds understanding the love archetype that's most dominant in our current relationship styles and learning how to heal that and up level so that we can attract and sustain conscious loving partnership from our hearts instead of our wounds so if you're someone who has been desiring to call in conscious loving partnership if you're someone who's been seeing repeat patterns in relationships, attracting unavailable partners, toxic relating, or feeling a bit frozen in dating and have been single for a while but are ready to mingle and want to learn all the tools for how to do that consciously and attract from your heart space, then this Awakened Love Group Coaching Container is for you. There are very limited spaces as this is going to be an extremely intimate container. But if you feel inspired and you would like to join, please send an email to my team at angel at awakened w-o-m-x-n awakened woman with an x-n dot com and we're going to get back to you so just send an email saying yes i'm interested in awakened love the group coaching container and give us three reasons why you're ready What are you ready to learn? How are you going to grow? Why are you ready to be in this container of sweet sisterhood, elevation and transformation? And I cannot wait to meet those of you that are going to be joining me real soon.